Hello all you gore fiends and horror hounds, this is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How's it going, man? It's good, how you doing? Uh, really good. I really enjoyed this week's movie. I liked it too, I had a really fun time watching it. I've watched it here and there, I've probably seen this one, this is probably like the fifth time I've seen Maniac Cop from, uh, fuck, let me scroll up, 1988. <laughs> I won't lie, I think this is my first time sitting down and watching it. I know I've seen it before, because I knew Bruce Bruce was in it. I've seen scenes from it before. Right. I think it's one of those ones I know the franchise more than I've actually sat down to watch any of the movies. So Dude, it, was, it was a fun time, like, actually following the whole thing and everything. I get what you mean. I'm the same kind of way with, like, the Puppet Master franchise, where, like, they all kind of melt into a hole because there's so many of them and they're so similar. Nightmare on Elm Street's a big one for that for me. Aside oh, yeah. from the first one, I know I've seen all of them. I don't know which ones I've seen in their entirety, but the first one, 100%, and then the rest are kind of just the franchise. Yeah, there's certain parts of certain ones I'm like, oh, I know that's from part two or that's from, from like part three. But other than that, I agree. I'm kind of in the same place. Um, Well, it's uh, directed by William Lustig, who did uh, Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. Guess what other movie he did? I know what other movie he did, and it's Maniac. Yes, which when I saw that, I already, I like kind of knew that before, but when I looked into his like directorial like history, I saw Maniac. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited because we talk about Frank Zito like almost every episode since Maniac. Yeah, I got to say too, you people. I love you, you listeners, but you're also the worst. Bad. Bad listener. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> terrible. Because do you know what episode, what movie we have that is the least amount of plays? Maniac. And That episode was so fun. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great one. No one listens to Maniac. And Maniac is one of my favorite movies. Like, I love it so much, and I gushed over it the entire episode. And yeah, it's our least played episode, and we call back to it all the time. <laughs> That is a joke. I don't care if you guys don't listen to it, but it's just funny because we thought it was going to be such a great one and no one listens to it. Hey, I had fun recording it. I guess that's all that matters. Fuck you. Yes. <laughs> um, also produced by Larry Cohen, who did the yeah. stuff. Um, Cue the Wayne He was the writer as well, right? What's that? Larry Cohen was also the writer, I believe. Uh, yes, he was, which I... You can definitely, if you've seen Larry Cohen movies... This definitely has that feel to it. Like, Kevin Smith movies feel like Kevin Smith movies. This kind of feels like a Larry Cohen movie. This feels like such an 80s cop movie. It's insane. I only wish Michael Moriarty was in this from, like, Cue the Winged Serpent and uh, the stuff. He's such, like, an anti-hero hero and, such, and plays such, like, a down kind of person. He would fit completely into this movie. Yeah, like, th this is... Do you get what I mean? It feels like 80s cop movie, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. This Which is like, it is, so it makes sense, but it has that feeling to it. Yeah, it's right down the middle. In that feeling, yeah, I completely agree. So I guess we'll just hop into it. Um, for those who don't know what we do, we kind of beat for beat the movie, but don't worry, we're not just narrating the movie, because when we get to fun stuff, we pull off and talk about it. That's pretty much the format of the show, and then we do some cool stuff at the end. So you ready right. to just hop into it? Yeah, that sounds good. 
All right, so right off the bat, something we always love that is stupid that we talk about so much, but I love it. Big red title card, Maniac Cop. Yes, for some reason, when the letters are in red, it just, like, sticks out to me a little bit more. It's more classic, you know what I mean? Well, especially 80s, yeah, I agree. Um, And then we get the opening credits, and I gotta tell you, they give away the twist in the opening credits, which you would not know until you do a rewatch, but they do. Oh, dude, they show uh, his chin? They show his name. Oh, he, oh, really? Yeah, it says M. Cordell. Oh, okay, so immediately you're like, oh, okay, like, as soon as you see Matt Cordell and they bring that up in the movie, you're like, oh, it's him. Yes. In their defense, I the only reason I caught it is because for some reason when I watch movies on Shudder, sometimes if I stop the movie, it will not save where I was, and then I'll have to fast forward to where I was again. Right. And so it started again, and I already got the reveal, and then I saw him getting ready and saw them like, Wait a oh. minute. Okay, yeah. Well, so like, I don't think I would have caught it otherwise, but yeah, it is right there. They could not have set up a better like battle of the chins because it's Robert Zadar versus Bruce Campbell, which Robert Zadar has like one of the biggest chins in movie history, but Bruce Campbell's chin is connected to his personality, so that's what really makes him stick out. But at first, they definitely light it as like, okay, these two guys have amazing chins. They need to be in this movie together. <laughs> well, also it works too because like Bruce Campbell's character, Jack, I think. Yeah, Jack gets kind of framed for the murder. So it makes perfect sense too because they do have similar facial structure. Right. We also have to mention that Tom Atkins is in this movie, which I completely forgot until I started watching it. And I'm like, holy shit, the guy from Halloween 3 is in this. Yeah, <laughs> where he just screams when the commercial plays. And he drinks way less in this movie than in, like, any of his other movies. Yeah, that is true. That's kind of... Like, I don't know if he was an actual alcoholic or that was just the characters he kept getting. Well, I believe... Uh, I think Tom Atkins enjoys beers. And a shot here and there. He's never, like, a full-on, like... Oh, like a raging alcoholic but yeah he's he, not charlie from critters exactly but he's like hey i like to have a few beers done wine during the night which you know what cheers tom atkins i'm right there with you <laughs> yes well it kicks off like any like 80s cop movie this girl's getting mugged uh when she's leaving a bar that she, or a restaurant she works at she fights back and gets away and hides right and the muggers chase her down so she sees a cop naturally runs to the cop for help the cop snaps her neck and as the muggers are looking on. And that's our first kill pretty early in the movie. And holy shit, spoilers for the end, what a kill count this movie has. Oh, I was trying to keep up for like part of the movie. And then I was like, I have to stop trying to keep track of kills because I'm not like, I need to also pay attention to the plot. <laughs> yeah. My job is to keep track of the kills. That's... Exactly. I'm like, Greg, right, of the the movie, is... I count the kills. Yeah. Greg of the dead is in charge of the dead. Like, yes. Oh, that, that, that was unintentional, but it works out. That yeah. was completely unintentional, but I like that a lot. That's our new thing. <laughs> oh, Greg of the dead. He counts the dead. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's your new that's intro. That's what I'm talking about. If I don't do that intro for you, yell at me. I will. Believe me, I will. Because I will <laughs> totally forget. 
So, but like cut next, like the cops are on the scene and the muggers are getting arrested and they're saying it was the cop. Um, we don't, we don't know his name or anything on because he was a tall guy. He was a cop. The detectives, Tom Atkins character, which I cannot remember for the life of me. Uh, Frank McRae. McRae. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, McRae and his partner are at the morgue and that's pretty much it. I'm I'm honestly just going to call him Tom Atkins because I mean he's it's Tom Atkins. So throughout this entire thing, I'm going to call him Tom Atkins. Just to let you guys know he plays Frank McRae, but <laughs> not the detectives, but the beat cops, like the in uniform cops. Why don't cops wear cartoon character gloves anymore? Oh, the like giant white gloves. Yes. Yeah. When did that go out of fashion? Well, I believe that's only for like special, like special event type things. Like if it's like someone's graduation or a funeral or something like that. If a cop oh, like ceremonial stuff and parades and all that. Yeah, that's almost because my dad's a fireman. Well, he was until here recently. He just retired. Congratulations, Dad. Um, yeah, congrats, Rick. Uh, he would every once in a while have to dress up, and as a fireman, they had like a special uniform they had to do. So I'm guessing that's kind of what he's running around in. Yeah, okay. But I think the other ones are wearing them later, aren't they, when they're in uniform? Not the gloves. They're not? Okay. Well, anyway, no. he is, at least. And I like the big Sonic the Hedgehog Bugs Bunny gloves that he's wearing. Yeah, that's what's, uh, it's a part that makes him stand out, is that and when the shadow glistens off his magno- magnificent chin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the next scene, we have two teens at a red light, randomly, and the cop knocks on the window, and he doesn't speak, knocks on the window, and motions for him to get out. It's almost comical. Again, kind of cartoony. And the teen gets out, and he just fucking kills him. His little baton has a knife in it, doesn't it? Yeah, it has, like, this, like, long-ass, like, bayonet-looking knife. Also, these teens haven't done anything. They were, like, kind of fooling around and saw that the light was turning red. And they stopped. And while they were stopped, they, like, made out a little bit, which you cannot, like, you know, if you're a couple, you might do that at a red light. I don't think it's illegal. No, I mean, like, it's a red light. You're stopped. Like, and it's not like he came up in, like, a cop car behind him. He just randomly ended up walking up to them. (laughs) Yeah, bad timing. Yeah, oh, completely. But yeah, so he kills the who the driver was at the time and throws him back at the car, doesn't he? And then the passenger screams the girl and drives away. Right. And so this is now two cases of killer cops. It's, it's getting too much. And the commissioner is questioning Atkins slash McRae. And he does believe it's a cop and he's telling him, keep it quiet. We don't need people losing trust in the police. You know, we, we need to keep the beaches open for the 4th of July. We can't shut down this. You know, all oh, those. That's, that's amazing. That I did not, like, really draw that comparison, but that is 100% true of, like, we don't need to cause a fuss. Because then he starts bringing up uh, McRae Atkins' um, like background of, like, well, didn't you try to kill yourself after your partner died? And he's like, the gun went off. He's like, oh, sure, the gun went off just a few days after your partner's death or whatever, you know. He's being a dick, but also setting us up for the obvious conclusion to throw us off, because who do you think the maniac cop is upon hearing that? 
Right, because this movie does set up a really good... If this is your first time watching it, you honestly are like, I don't know at this point who it is. Right there, you're like, it's his partner who died. He's back from the dead, like, is what you're thinking. Right. So, I mean, well done, but yeah, it's very much the whole... I know there's a million examples, and now I'm blanking except for Jaws, but you know what I'm saying. Well, I completely get what... Everything's fine. Well, it's almost like the... um, uh, the count, the uh, head counselor from Sleepaway Camp, the guy who's in charge, where like oh, the owner of the camp, yeah, yeah. keep happening. But he's like, everything's fine. Keep quiet. I'll give you an extra fifty cents an hour. <laughs> yeah, and then like these kills just start racking up at the beginning. Like it, there's not a lot of time between them, which in like a more, I know that we wouldn't call this a slasher, but not far removed from it. You know what I mean? Well, it's definitely slasher esque. Like it had, it has elements of a slasher movie, and you yeah, can definitely like, tell this is a late '80s like horror slasher type movie, because exactly what you said. There's like a lot of deaths at the at the beginning, and then in the middle, it kind of like there's a, a couple here and there. I if I remember right, but then at the end, it like racks up again. Yeah. So this beginning is just. Here, more meat for the kill count. Throw them at, throw them, kill them, throw them at them, kill them. Right. And that's what happens here. Because there's a guy putting a trombone in his car trunk, and the cop just cuffs him for no reason. <laughs> he just doesn't say, put your hands on the car or anything, just starts cuffing him. Yeah. And he's like, what have I done, officer? He's cooperating, but he sees the, the billy club knife. I like that. That's what we're going to call it. The, the billy club knife and starts running. Rightfully so. Right, but at this point, his handcuffs are like cuffed behind his. His hands are cuffed behind his back with handcuffs, and he's running, and his like wrists are bleeding because I'm guessing like of course they're like rubbing and whatnot. But he's already like at a disadvantage at this point. Oh yeah, he just kind of does it to himself here because he trips and falls right into wet concrete, and the cop who. Yeah, Cordell. If you've seen it, we already spoiled it, so I guess we can just start saying that now. Um, shoves his face into the wet concrete, killing him. Which is a great. I love that. I love scene cuts where it cuts from one thing to another. Where the next morning it, it cuts to, and his face is like buried in the now dried cement, and they're chiseling him out. Yeah, that was a nice little touch, wasn't it? Yeah, I love little things like that. Yeah, and so. Now I'm getting all my names mixed up. McRae's had enough. He can't keep quiet anymore, and he's at the bar. And this reporter, who I guess he's usually a source for this reporter, he tips her about the case. He's like, just get it out there. Like, it needs to be public that there's a cop out there killing people. Yeah, this is a Tom Atkins movie, so there has to be at least one scene in a bar. Oh, there's not just one, but yes, there has to be at least one. At the very least one. I think Halloween 3 might be the biggest amount of drinking he does as a character. Because he's constantly at the bar. They're constantly, like, about to go after the bad guys, but he has to stop for a (laughs) six-pack. Yeah. And then we get, like, the little... The town's terrified now. You know, because there's killer cops out there. And there's a lady whose car breaks down... And did you notice this car, by the way? Uh, not 100%. I may be mistaken, because, again, I'm bad with cars. Robert. But I'm pretty sure it's the Ashmobile. Oh, is it a uh, Delta 66 or whatever? I do believe so. Okay, well, that makes sense, because Sam Raimi does show up later. 
Yeah, you have Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi. I'm almost positive that's the Delta. I mean, it would not surprise me whatsoever if it was. It's just, it's just like a piece of shit plunker smoking and everything. And a cop pulls up, lights on behind her, gets out, walks to the window, and she just, bam, shoots his head fucking like pretty like brutal shot through the head. She oh. has a gun and her first kills him. Yeah, she brains him 100%. And then later on you find out it was like his like first or second day like on the job. Oh, yeah, he's a rookie. And you're like, oh, man, that sucks. Because she thinks he was the maniac. Yeah, and that's when they're now talking about because, like, the news is out. Like you said, like, the maniac is probably a cop. They're like, oh, well, it's a great time to kill a cop if you want to. Yeah, like, that's the big thing. It's it's exactly what the commissioner was worried about, so it's kind of proven him right. But still, you can't keep that quiet anyway. Right, if it's going on and it's in the own, it's like in the department. Like you would think, you would want to find out who it was. Like I understand, like a little bit where they're coming from. Of like, if we blow this up, no one's going to trust any cop, and this kind of thing might happen. But the people also need to know. Oh yeah, like I don't know what you do. What's but yeah, you have to let the people know in some way. Like maybe they didn't handle it the best way, but. You know. Um. So next, we cut to like this woman who's cutting out newspaper articles about the maniac cop, like the killer and everything, and her husband, played by none other than Bruce Campbell. Fucking Campbell. (laughs) He's this cop named Jack, and he's going out on duty early because she's like, "I thought you didn't have the night," and he picked up some overtime, and their marriage is very clearly rocky. I gotta say, I feel feel so bad for this wife, especially as the sequels go on, like Maniac Cop 2, and even like the rest of this movie. She's dismissed completely as the wife. Wait, are we thinking, how is she dismissed in the sequel? She dies here. Well, yeah, she dies here, but like in the sequel... Bruce Campbell is still with this, like, blonde that he... Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, I love Bruce Campbell. So this is separating actor from character. His character sucks. His character is oh, a piece of shit. It's so... But everybody completely it just now, like, accepts that he's with this new girl as soon as his wife died. Yeah, oh, congratulations and things like that. Like, yeah. it, it is weird. I, you know, like... Look, couples break up, people cheat all the time, I guess. But, like, you don't have to act like it's such a not-shitty thing. Not only was he cheating on her, she died following him because he was cheating on her and stuff like that. Like, he has no guilt about, she was following me as I was doing this and died. Yeah, and she's never mentioned again, hardly. She's Her entire character thing is, like, ten minutes of this one movie. Yeah. So it, it, it is shitty. Like, I'm with you, because I was thinking that the whole time, too. Um, but the marriage is clearly rocky, and when he walks out to go on patrol, the phone rings, and it's this woman's voice that's like, he's going out early, isn't he, or something like that. She goes, yeah, he goes, do you think he's going to kill again? So this voice has obviously been planting it in her head that he's the killer. Well, also, if this is, your like, your first time watching it, you're thinking, like, is this voice real? Is it not real? Because as soon as he leaves, it calls. Oh, yeah, it's right away. So, like, that's true, too, because obviously pre-cell phone age. So how do they know right away? But still. Right, exactly. I mean, if he does radio that he's going on patrol, though, 
who we find out it is later, it could make sense that she'd know right away. Yeah, but I don't think he's going actually on patrol. Well, he's going on patrol for something, but it's not yeah, for true. crime. <laughs> I want sexy noises. You want the other kind of sexy that's, noises. That's wow. Sexy noises. Yes, no, we, I said they're just very different types. <laughs> <laughs> um, why did and it says, why does Jack keep killing people? Is he gonna do it again tonight? That was what the voice said. And so she sneaks out to follow him and he goes into a motel room. And by the way, worst motel security of all time. Oh, yeah, because he, she just goes up to the front desk and I goes like, and I guess she just goes like, I need a key for my room. And they just give it to her. Yeah, they're like, I don't recall seeing you, but whatever. Yeah, sure. Here, whatever. I want to keep reading my magazine. <laughs> so she follows him in and Jack is in there cheating on her with another cop, a lady cop, I should point out. And it couldn't be set up more like cliche where like their uniforms are both on the chair together. And they're like, I she walks like, in. She's cop, though. like that does serve like a purpose to the movie. Oh yeah, it does. But they're like, she walks in and it's like, both of them are like making out. It's like, Oh my God, why are you here? Why'd you follow me? Honey, wait, that's not what it looks like. Ah, no. <laughs> you know, Let me like explain. Yeah. It's not that much like it. Cause he does like, I didn't want you to find out this way, all that stuff, but still not cool. Exactly. For the rest of the movie, he's our hero, quote-unquote, I guess. And this is how they set him up? Yeah, maybe it's to, like, not give you sympathy for him? I don't know. But it's also maybe that, like... Well, Larry Cohen also wrote this, and he was really into, like, CD characters, especially, like, in the stuff and Q and whatnot, so... Yeah. Maybe that also makes sense of, like, he humanizes, a, humanizes him as, like... Okay, he's our, like, he didn't kill anyone, but he's also not, like, an angel. It's realistic. You don't have pure good and bad guys. Here you go. Especially, like, a late 80s cop, I would guess. Especially in this kind of world. Yeah. And so, she leaves, obviously. She's not sticking around for this. And she's pulled into a van by the maniac cop. Yeah, a very cheesy death. <laughs> and But this is where it gets weird, because we saw they were in the hotel room. She leaves. She gets pulled into a van, smash cut to next morning, housekeeping going into the room and finding her body in the room. Right. So how is this zombie cop man um, <laughs> pulling this off? I Who knows? Like, maybe he's just so big he can, like, put her inside of his clothes and just walk normally. I mean, like, even getting in the room or anything, I guess since they do look kind of alike, similar facial features, maybe it's like, oh, there's that guy who's in that room. Yeah, go ahead in. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess because they're just going to look and be like, oh, yeah, the chin, he's going back to his room. But then again, he also has very distinguishable features that make you know that is not Bruce Campbell that we don't see till the end of the movie, but is all scarred up face and everything. Oh, no, Robert Zadar's chin is much bigger than Bruce Campbell's. I don't even mean that. I'm just talking about, like, all the slashed up wounds oh, on yeah. his face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He basically looks like he's oozing from, like, a lot of his flesh. <laughs> the next day, Jack is arrested and questioned by the police captain and by... Now I'm forgetting both his real by McRae. Tom Atkins. <laughs> yes, Tom, thank you. And the detective and captain are at a bar later that night after they arrest him. And Atkins doesn't think it was Jack. He's like, it's not right. It doesn't seem right. By the way, 
this dude, as we pointed out earlier, Jack, Bruce Campbell, does not show any bit of sorrow that his wife was killed. No, and he seems extremely happy when his mistress shows up to, like, see him. Again, you can't blame yourself when you're in a situation, something happens that's out of your control, I get that. But still, you think it's kind of natural to feel a little bit of, the only reason she was hurt is because she followed me because I was cheating on my wife. That might... That pain might get at you a little bit, you don't think? Yeah, it's almost like he's like, thank God this just randomly happened. I don't have to leave her. She's dead. She's out of my hair. I never, what's her name again? I don't even have to think about it. You know, that's I just saved so much money on a divorce attorney. Oh yeah, thank God. And I also save face like with everyone I know of like, oh no, my wife died. I didn't divorce her, you know? <laughs> It's like that Vandal song, My Girlfriend's Dead, where like, he doesn't want to admit she broke up with him, so she he just says she died. <laughs> he doesn't think it was Jack. And Teresa, who is Jack's mistress slash girlfriend, I guess now girlfriend because she's no longer a mistress since he's yeah. unmarried, is working a hooker sting. And I believe, did we miss the part? Uh, Atkins finds out that, that that's the girl who he had a thing with, right? Well, at some point, Atkins goes and visits Bruce Campbell in prison. And Bruce Campbell's, like, holding on to this information, but he just spills it to Atkins immediately. Well, really, it is in his best interest, too. I get you don't want to, but then again, I think she's single. I don't think she's, like, married or seeing anyone, so at this point, why does it really matter? Yeah, I don't really get why. Exactly. I don't get why it matters at all. Maybe, like, a reputation thing. I don't know. But still, uh, Teresa's out working a hooker sting, which, I guess, to work a hooker sting, you just tease your hair really high. And that's about what you got to do. Well, yeah, it's the late 80s, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And as she's doing it, she walks down an alley and the maniac cop just happens to show up and to ta and attacks her. And Atkins shows up, Atkins McRae, you know, um, shows up at the nick of time and he shoots him a ton of times and he doesn't react to it. But they get away like safe enough. I also want to mention, like, before all that happened like a john pulls up and is like hey baby do you want me to take you home and she's like i don't know what do you want to do exactly explain it in great detail and he's like you're not a cop are you and she's like you said the right thing there honey what is it like you just asked a million dollar question or something like that yeah that's the million dollar question and yeah he's like i'll be thinking about you later and she's like that's not illegal <laughs> That's such a creepy line, though. Now, I love that they put it in there, though, because he's just like, I'll be thinking about you when I go home to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to talk about this whole one McCray saves her thing, though. So what we established in this movie with the background and everything, it's not supernatural. He right. was attacked and on death's door, pretty much like he is allegedly brain dead, pretty much. And the doctor felt terrible and let him go home with his girlfriend who came to see him, like, and would let her, like, basically bury him and stuff like that, fake the death records and everything. Yeah, in this movie, he's not a zombie yet. Yes. So, this whole, he gets shot, like, ten fucking times? No idea. You want to explain that to me? I'm guessing, I've always just guessed, like, an extreme bulletproof vest. But then she's also, like, I shot him a couple times in the head. So, I guess he's already a zombie by this point. He has to be, or else it's the biggest plot hole on Earth. Yeah, because that that's the only way it explains how, like, 
why they would put that dialogue and information in the movie and why he would still be walking around, you know? And I guess like a sequel fixes it, but if we're just judging it on its own, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a plot then. Even when you do see his face, like, yeah, it's scarred up, but he looks like he could be alive. Yeah, the guy went through hell. He's scarred up. He has brain damage that seems to make him more aggressive and things like that, like, and not really there. But but he still retains some of his base knowledge, instincts, things like that. But it still doesn't explain how you're bulletproof. Yeah, that that scene, I also agree. When I saw that once again for, like, this review, I was like, huh, it, this almost just reminds me they're like, Jason Voorhees is very popular. Let's do a Jason Voorhees thing. Oh, 100%. That's what it, and like even the whole, him standing there tall menacingly, like as he's getting shot. Yeah. Yeah, I got um, Friday the 13th vibes like every once in a while in this movie. Yeah. Uh, McCray sends her to his apartment to lay low. Don't go to your house or anything like that because they obviously know who you are. It's not coincidence that they frame Jack and then go after the one girl who could be his alibi. Right. He talks to this records keeper cop whose name I don't remember, but it's Cordell's girlfriend. Right. And she's crippled, but she wasn't before. She has like a bum knee with a brace on and a cane. Yeah, we're, um, and they bring up like later on where they're like, oh yeah, Cordell did have a girlfriend. Where, yeah, uh, poor thing, after the, uh, you know, he was convicted, she threw herself out a window and crippled herself. Yeah, I love, like, you know, Tom Atkins is such, like, a great detective character. Not, I don't mean, like, he's a great detective, but, like, he knows how to play a detective so well. Like, when you see those gears turning in his head, and he makes that, like, lifts his chin up and, like, raises his eyebrows, like, ah. Yeah. No reason. Like, he, he does so great with that kind of stuff. Yeah, where he goes down there, and it's very sly as well, because he's like, oh yeah, I just need some uh, records. And she's like, whoa, the computer's down, because he's like kind of looking on the computer. And she's like, computer's down, uh, you can fill out the slip. And while he's like, kind of like fake filling out the slip, he's like questioning questioning her while she doesn't really know. Yeah, you're like, we work in the same building, why don't we know each other? Things like that. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, we should, and she's like, oh yeah, we should all get together for drinks, which you know Tom Atkins is immediately like, let's go right now, I could do a shot, <laughs> I have a flask with me, yeah, we could do shots right now. <laughs> but after that, like, he kind of gets like, the, well, I'll talk to you later, sneaks away, and she drives away after work and he tails her, like he's following her, all sneaky-like. Which I always think it's funny when they do the, like, you're following the person scene, and especially in, like, 70s, 80s movies. Because they always seem to be following way too close for the person not to notice. Oh, yeah. I If a car is behind me for longer than, like, if I make more than, like, two or three turns and this car, same car is still behind me, I'm like, what's this? Like, I start getting weirdly nervous. Yeah, I'm like, who are you? And so, but, yeah, he tells her, and she goes to this pier... And Cordell's there, and she's talking to him, and she's like, she says, I, I love you, but you can't keep killing these innocents. And this is before we get his backstory, which is like, the crooked politicians and judges and things like that, of course, but so, there's obviously something going on with this. It's, you know, your story, reveal before the reveal. Yeah, she's like, you said that you would, like, clean up the streets of, like, the junkies and the pushers, not, like, these innocent people. 
Yeah, we find out his name here, by the way, too, the Matt Cordell, and he went to prison and died in jail. I love, like, the detective, like, makes a noise, and she screams and shoots at him, and she just assumes it's a cat, but that's when he tails it out of there. And the guard at the pier and his interaction (laughs) is one of my favorite parts in this movie. Well, I also love when she's, like, she hears a noise, empties, like, her entire clip into, like, the nothingness of like just the pier and it's like oh i guess it's nothing matt and she turns around she's like matt where'd you go matt yeah he does like a batman disappear to commissioner gordon to her so that's what that feels like (laughs) yes exactly um that's what goes on and so he goes to leave and the guard at the pier stops him i don't know why he didn't stop him going in but he stops him leaving he turns around with his gun drawn already Atkins. <laughs> um, he's like hey he's like and the guard's like yeah what are you doing he's like i'm taking a piss he goes you always take a piss with a gun in your hand you can blow your dick off that way or something like that it's just one of those great throwaway lines that i'm like i love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's great because, like, they talk about how, like, sorry, like, I should get hazard paid for wearing this uniform because how everyone hates cops, even though he's just a guard at the pier. And, like, as he's McRae's walking away, he goes, can't take a piss anywhere these days. Yeah, he's still complaining about the non-existent piss he took. Yeah, he's really committed to this, like, or- piss story. He's like a method actor. Once he, like, comes up with a cover story, he's not breaking it. <laughs> or may- maybe he was like kind of drunk so he did have to take a pee he's like i've had like five beers like i need to take a beer piss yeah. <laughs> he's like well uh, while i'm tracking this killer i might as well just relieve myself <laughs> but next we get the scene we already touched on so no point again where they find out that the uh cane lady was cordell's girlfriend all the whole oh you don't say thing all that and this is where, through weird nightmare dream vision, we get Matt's backstory. Yeah. Da, 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 da. The music is, like, really haunting. Yeah, it's weird, like, almost like lullaby music. Yeah, it's like Nightmare on Elm Street-esque. Yeah, very true. Also kind of Tim Burton-y sounding, too, I'd give it. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so he's, uh, you see Cordell laying down at his hideaway at the pier, I guess that's where he lives, and you get his whole backstory, how he was wrongfully convicted, well, not wrongfully, no, rightfully convicted, um, I, I want to mention that real quick, too, about where we find out that it was his girlfriend scene, because when he's going out down there talking about Matt Cordell, the cop that Atkins is talking to, he's like, man, they don't make him like they used to anymore, he was a great cop. Shoot first, ask questions later. That's, yeah. I hate to break it to you. That's not a good cop. No, just because he kills everyone he comes in contact with doesn't make him a good cop. Like, and yeah. all the, they're like, he was a legend. Like, everyone's talking about him like he was such an amazing person. He was already a scumbag. They're like, this hero cop I looked up to, and we all did. He shot first, asked questions later, is one way they describe him. Another way they describe him is, yeah, that was some. They send the prison over excessive force and violating people's rights or something. Like, no, these are valid things. <laughs> you don't just brush over that. Just because oh. he has an amazing chin doesn't mean he gets to get by with everything he wants. 
I know. <laughs> it's just incredible. But that's all. I wanted to bring that yeah. up. Because that applies to the vision scene where you see him getting convicted for this crime, like, of, I guess, violating people's Which, rights, excessive force, and all that. Have you seen the other two Maniac Cop movies? As I said at the beginning, I can't tell you if I've ever sat down and watched them, but right. I have seen them. I know the great burning scene and stuff like that. But because they replay this exact same, like, dream like sequence at least five times during this entire series. Like, I oh, swear yeah. to God, like, during this first, like, the second or third movie, they do the exact same dream sequence in full at least two or three times. I gotta say, I think I like Cordell's look better than the other ones, like, where he's more, like, all nasty looking. Well, you know what he reminds me of is Jason from Part 8. Jason Takes Manhattan. You and, do not like, have to tell movie. me what Part 8 is, Brett. I love Jason Takes Manhattan. I know, where it's like... I, because he has like the jagged like teeth like in the later movies and his skin. And like the weird lips like that are split kind of and like all weird and yeah. misshapen. And it doesn't look quite human anymore like at all. Yeah, he looks a lot like part eight Jason, which I'm not it, saying is a good thing. Oh, it's a great thing, Brett. You know, it's the best thing. Oh, did you? it pains me in a way, but I'm also kind of like. I like it a little bit. Yes. Please tell me you got that video I sent you of making uh, part eight a sitcom intro. Yeah, I did. That was amazing. I loved all the people's like name intros. (laughs) It was amazing. But yeah, we get his whole backstory and then he died in prison. He was attacked by inmates. That's pretty much it. Well, no, we are we going to gloss over that uh, we get a amazing Robert Zadar shower scene. With his chin glistening under the shower head and water droplets coming off of it. And his like back is like super chiseled and it's huge. Are You're not, not wrong. Go, are we not going to go oh, into no, it? We are because I'm going to pose the question to you. <laughs> yeah. Which shower scene was hornier? Maniac Cops or the opening to carry? Oh, uh. Mm. Because we've had two in a row, so now we we must make them face off. God, I almost... uh, It's hard to say Carrie because it's high school. Even though they're all like 30-year-old actors. No, I'm not saying which one do you like better, but which one like is more focused and all that stuff like on it. Oh, definitely the Carrie shower scene. Because this one is like in a different way, but it doesn't go on as long. And yeah, it's not zoomed in on every like inch of his body. But his muscles look amazing in that shower. Yes. <laughs> He's jacked. But... It's like it's almost like that thing of like I remember the first time I saw this movie and I saw the shower scene pop up and he's in prison. I'm like, oh no. What's gonna happen? Is this gonna be a repeat of vulgar? Like <laughs> No, it was not, thankfully. Um but so that we get the whole backstory, all that through his weird vision and all that stuff. Um, and so the detective McRae is snooping by the computer, and the, the girlfriend cane lady records cop beats him with a cane. Yeah, beats him bloody because he's like covered in blood by the end of it. Yes. Um, right before that, he was in the interrogation room. He left Teresa in there with Jack, by the way. Right. Yeah, where um, he's like, I'll give you two some alone time to uh, interrogate each other, wink, wink. And it's like, again, 
completely not appropriate when we're dealing with what happened in Jack's life, but whatever. Right, it's very weird. <laughs> it's like all of Jack's co-workers hated his wife. Yeah, it that that's what it seems like. It's like, you two, like, you and this other cop are amazing together. That other, like, whatever you were married to, was it a wife? Like, uh, If we uh, can call her that. Like, uh, let's, just, let's just be happy that took care of itself. Like, even thinking about her makes me throw up in my mouth. That's basically what they should be like. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. But anyway, he's attacked by a cane lady, and the guard outside the interrogation room is stabbed, and two other cops are hung. And then Cordell randomly, can you tell me the motivation? Because I do not know, attacks his girlfriend and kills her. No idea. But I'm guessing he's just gone like full psycho mode at this point, and he doesn't care anymore. Okay. But and by that the way, doesn't make this sense. This is where my kill count was going crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense that he kills her because in Maniac Cop 3. It's literally the bride of Maniac Cop, where he's looking for a wife. Yeah, he had one! You killed her! Yeah, she was like, honey, whatever you want to do, I love you. Like, I support you. Like, what else could he have asked for? (laughs) Yeah. So, two cops are hung, she's killed, um, and then Cordell throws McCray out the window onto a car, killing him. Yeah, uh, R.I.P. Tom Atkins, I just choked a beer in your memory. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jack and Teresa escape. And then we get this whole prison doctor thing. Look, I won't bore you with the details, but, but Jack and Teresa impersonate McCray, and that's where we get the whole, how we said the prison doctor faked the death certificate thing to let him go out with his girlfriend after he was on death's door already. He didn't expect him to survive. Exactly. Uh, a little thing I want to add is, at this point, Jack, Bruce Campbell, has escaped from prison, or escaped yeah. from, a, like, custody, and immediately yes. goes to a prison and checks in with a cop. You know what, though? Not a terrible plan. But how ballsy is that, that they don't already have a P- like APB or whatever it's called out on him, you know? Well, he's not using his own ID. He is pretending to be uh, McRae. But he also has a very like distinctive face. You are very into the chins on this one, aren't you? Oh, this is the battle of the chins. It's Robert Zadar and Bruce Campbell in one movie. Like, I, I fell asleep last night, Brett, and I woke up this morning and I see a message from you. It's like, I can't wait to talk about the battle of the chins tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I woke up to. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's be, That's why they cast these two people in the same movie. <laughs> Has that been confirmed? Is that legit? Why? Because it makes sense, because especially if he's framing someone. It's not confirmed, but that's my own fan theory. I will allow it. I can see it. So, they they leave after that whole thing. It's St. Patrick's Day! Woohoo! Oh, another one of the movies add to your collection to movies to watch on a specific day now. Oh yeah, very true. I thought of that when I watched this. I was like, oh man, I should have watched this, like, last month. <laughs> yeah. And... Teresa goes to tell the commissioner it's Matt Cordell. Again, I know these are cops in this movie, but still falls into our category, Brent, of you never tell them the full thing, that it's a guy back from the dead killing people. Hey, I found the killer. It's not Jack. I can take you to him. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what a, we do. That's a constant rule. Do not tell them the full truth. Tell them as much as, much of the truth as you, as you have to and bend things around just to get them there. As soon as they see it with their own eyes, 
they're going to be like, oh, shit. Okay, now I see what's going on. For those who might be new to the show, this comes up a good bit. Me and Brett have this thing that if you are in one of these movies, you never tell the police the full story when you're on the phone with them. You're not like, there's an alien demon back from the dead. You're like, who's trying to murder us? You're like, there's a guy here trying to murder us. Yeah, oh my god, Jason Voorhees is back from the dead. Come help us. Come save us. I dug him up. That's not going to work. No, there's a man in a hockey mask with a machete trying to kill me. Okay, we will send a unit out right away. Or, there's just a man trying to kill me. That's yes. as simple as you need to be. <laughs> yeah. So, again, this one's a little trickier because they are cops, but I still say the rule applies. I said so do I. Okay, good. I'm glad we've come to this conclusion. <laughs> but she tells Commissioner, and he doesn't believe her because he's like, because she also says he killed McCray. He goes, well, I got a message from McCray right before he died, conveniently. And he's like, the message was, I found who the killer is. He, he's a cop, and he's being aided by a woman cop that's on the force. Which it, is all true, but not about them. It might as well be, the killer has an amazing chin, and he's accompanied by a female. A blonde female police officer employed with this company. Yeah, it's like, hmm, I wonder who they're talking about. <laughs> yes. You don't believe her, he leaves, and he gets killed by Cordell right away. A cop who was stayed with Teresa handcuffed himself to her. I don't think that's proper protocol, but hey, whatever. Um, he kills that cop who is attached to Teresa, <laughs> and so she drags herself away, dragging the dead, lifeless body of this other cop um, into a room. She uncuffs herself and fights Cordell off because he's about to kill her and gets out the window down the fire escape. But right at this time, Jack, who's just hanging out on the street, the most wanted man in whatever city this is, is mobbed by cops who notice him. And it might as well have been like a dog pile scene, not nearly. Because like, some cops like, isn't that Jack? Yeah, let's get him. And a mob of them run after him. He's basically like flipping a coin on the street corner. Like, do, 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 do. Like, <laughs> he's not trying to hide at all at this point. He might as well have, like, soaked himself in raw meat and walked into, like, a tiger enclosure. You're at the St. Patrick's Day, Day Parade, where cops are already on high alert looking for you, and there's cops in the parade. What did you think was... It's not like, hey, I'll wait in a car, maybe? Yeah, or, like, put on a, like, Marvel disguise, where you put on a hoodie and, like, a baseball cap. Exactly. Like, nothing. No, nothing. he's just hanging out. No, his chin is just hanging out there in the air. Even if these cops didn't know him, he's literally across the street from the building where the commissioner and everybody was. Right. Like, he couldn't have been in a worse spot. Yeah. But so he's thrown into the back of the paddy wagon, which I love that that is still the term that it is referred to as. Oh, yeah. And they're about to, the cops are about to drive away, but Cordell comes out and hijacks the wagon. Yeah, now we get chin driving chin. Yes. Um, is this one where you're like, he shouldn't be able to drive, or can you accept that he can drive? No, I accept that he can drive because he was a police officer. The fact, like, Michael Myers can drive is a little suspect. What's that? The fact that, like, Michael Myers can drive is a little suspect because he was arrested as, like, a child. But... That was the one I was comparing it to, and I actually brought it up very good. Yeah, because, like, okay, I get that Cordell can drive because he was a police officer and he died as an adult. Myers is a child. I don't exactly get that, but maybe they had like a driving program for young inmates. I don't well, know. 
Your, uh, Loomis puts it, it like kind of dismisses it in a great line where he's like, maybe one of them gave him lessons. Like he shouts it. <laughs> At least they kind of addressed it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's not, we're not talking about Halloween. We already did that. Yeah. Um, maybe Teresa we can do it another again cop. one day. <laughs> yeah, we will. Teresa and another cop who she just like, like follow that are chasing the paddy wagon with Cordell and Jack in it. And there is just this classic eighties cop movie car chase music going on. And I love it. Oh, yeah. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And it's, it has all the cliches you could think of one, him rolling around in the back, which very evil dead style, like him just getting the shit kicked out of him. Poor Bruce Campbell. A few of these scenes, uh, like we get camera angles of Bruce Campbell that look 100% Evil Dead. I think at this point we've all we have already passed the parade, didn't we? Oh yeah, we should mention we do see a cameo from Sam Raimi in yeah. the parade. I was going to say like we have to mention Sam Raimi plays the reporter at the parade. Which when I saw him, I'm like, holy shit, there he is! Oh, that makes me so happy. This entire movie's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to see him, which also makes me think, going back to our theory that Sam Raimi is just smacking Bruce with tree branches in Evil Dead 2, that Sam Raimi is driving this truck that Bruce Campbell's getting tossed around in the back of, because he just apparently loves hurting Bruce Campbell. <laughs> oh, 100%. He was like, oh, they're like, no, Mr. Raimi, there's a stunt driver to take care of this. He's like, no, I got this. This is my bitch. And he just jumps. Sam Raimi does literally what Cordell does. He throws the stunt driver away and hijacks it. Bruce, Bruce is like, "Oh God, damn it!" (laughs) (laughs) But this car chase has everything: the music, the him getting tossed around, the screeching, like jumping on slight inclines and sparks hitting the bottom. You know, all the stuff you can imagine from an eighties car chase. Well, I have to. I have to say, um, when I was in high school, I went down to ride along with my dad in his fire engine like at his firehouse and that thing did not have any shocks in it so i was riding in the back and it looked a lot like the back of this car so every little bump we went over i went airborne like fuck and like we really? go crashing down because i didn't know to brace myself so this actually is probably pretty true i mean off topic but now i'm curious why don't they have shocks on them well, because it was like a super old model. It was like a model from like the 80s or 90s, I think. The oh, it's like a classic one. Yeah, but they were okay. still using it. So like the shocks sucked. <laughs> I got you now. But they get back to the pier and as Teresa gets out, Cordell is axing the paddy wagon to open it up, I guess to kill Jack once and for all. I don't know why he's fixated on Jack so much now, because obviously he kind of gave himself away when he hijacked the car. Yeah, also, I'm guessing he can't just open the door because he doesn't have the key, but he has the keys for the truck. Which you would imagine on that same key ring are there, but I'll put that into the guy died and is half brain dead. It's cooler that he's trying to chop down the door with an axe. Yes. And he's opening, and then we finally, at the very almost end of this movie, we get our first full face reveal. Yeah, and... It's kind of an anticlimactic face reveal, I would say, where it's not as fucked up as I was expecting it to be. It gets way more fucked up in the next two. Like, it looks cooler. This one's just pretty scarred up. That's it. Yeah, it's kind of scarred up. There's, like, open wounds. But, yeah, the next couple, like, movies of this series, his face looks 
like more cinematic and more badass. Oh yeah. Um, he tries driving away like, because he gets that, by the way, Jack gets out, like runs into him and everything when it's almost open. Like, you know, it goes on. He tries driving away to escape and Jack is hanging on at the same time, like fighting him. And he's Cordell's impaled by a random like beam that's hanging there for no reason. Yeah, it's a random, like, aqua beam because it's at the marina. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I love his face he makes when he gets impaled by it. He's like, oh, oh it is great. I love it. <laughs> uh, Jack jumps off just in time because then the wagon goes into the water. Yeah. Which I love. You can definitely, if you pay attention, that's 100% like an old stuntman with like a gray afro. Is playing Jack Bruce Campbell. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch it. I'll have to go back and watch it. Now oh, I'm yeah, excited. It's a giant I love afro it. that doesn't match whatsoever. It's so funny. Oh, they didn't even try. They couldn't have got like an Elvis impersonator or something. Oh, exactly. And like you see him jump in the water and he turns around and like looks at the van sinking and then just starts swimming back to the dock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cut to the wagon being pulled from the water and of course Cordell is gone and. What do we get next? You know I love this. Oh, yeah. Uh, just the hand rising from the water, but for no reason, really, this time. It's not like it's bearing out, but at the pier and credits. Yeah, like the Maniac Cop music plays, the hand comes out of the water. It's very cinematic and very, like, there's going to be a sequel credits, which I'm like, I'm all in for. Oh, yeah, which we, we've gotten them. Um, yeah. I got to say this. Them not finding Cordell. Does this not kind of throw a wrench into Jack's old, hey, I'm innocent? Yeah, and especially since Cordell seems to be right there. Like, they didn't look whatsoever. Or is it just so new, like, it just happened that, like, the divers and whatnot aren't there yet, and Cordell escapes before that? But, I don't know, it seems like a very haphazard police investigation. Yeah, also, he had to be chilling in the water for a long time, because by the time they got, like, a crane there to pull it out and everything... Oh, yeah, he's just chilling by the pier, being like, I can't wait to raise my hand out of here. (laughs) I'd imagine for at least, if I'm being realistic, now bigger cities are probably a little quicker, at least five hours, and that's really fast. Oh, yeah, well, I used to work for a uh, trucking company, and to get a crane out for, like, a major accident that's blocking a highway can still take hours. Now, this is at a pier already, so maybe it's a little quicker. Maybe there's things, like, that you would use there. But still, like, I feel like, why is he chilling in the water so long? Swim away! Yeah, he's just like, I oh, know, I'm just, I could use a swim. This is relaxing. Yeah, but, like, I'm like, if they don't catch Cordell, Jack is still the prime suspect. Now, maybe because those other cops saw him, like, I still don't think they'd identify it was Cordell, like, other than their testimony, Jack and Teresa's, but they'll say, like, hey, another guy did try to kill him. That one went with Teresa, never mind, there it is. There was that cop with her. Yeah, well, they're like, I don't know, I just saw two chins fighting each other. Okay, you know what, I just backed myself out of that, and I'm glad. Good. (laughs) And yeah, that's that's Maniac yeah. Cop. Yeah, I mean, I rather enjoyed seeing it again. There's so many names attached to this movie. Yeah. And I really enjoy the series. Yeah, it's really good. Now, to answer the question that we just started asking, 
before we get into kill count and all that, what kind of, this one's pretty obvious, but like horror fan or movie fan, would you recommend Maniac Cop to? I would recommend it to like a slasher fan that's looking to step outside the series a little bit, but you would still enjoy like the slasher tropes. Yeah, I'd also go mystery, like if you like mystery oh, yeah. horror. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, because we're through a lot of this movie, if it's your first time watching it, you're still kind of guessing what's going on. Yeah, so I, I'd do that. And then like police drama, honestly, it doesn't even have to be horror. Or just if you're a Tom Atkins fan and just like yes. watching him drink and stumble through a movie, it's great. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to Greg of the Dead counts the dead. The kill count. <laughs> yes. So last week we did, oh, so the kill count. It's this thing we do every week where we tally up the kills in the movie we watched, and we add that to the kills of all the movies we've watched. So we're counting everything here. We don't count world endings or things like that. You guys know if you heard before. If you haven't, welcome. Thank you. But so last week we did Carrie, and we ended with a kill count of 327, Brett. Okay. I'll give you the slightest hint. There's a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> How many do you think oh. we got with Maniac Cop? So we were at 327. You can either guess the new amount or the number because it's the same thing. I'm going to 340. You're pretty close. Okay. And I won't lie. I wouldn't have been able to guess this if I wasn't keeping track. Right. You, you We got 342. So oh, 15 wow. kills. Jesus. There's so many fucking kills in this movie. Yeah, most of them are from when he goes on his rampage at the police station. Yeah, he does kill a lot of people in that scene. There's like six or seven right there. Yeah. So yeah, we got 15, which brings us to 342 bloody, gruesome, despicable, violent murders that we have seen since starting this podcast. So we're getting close to 400. <laughs> yes, we are. And we're desensitized as hell by now. Oh, 100%. Like, nothing matters <laughs> anymore. We went through yeah, a clown we... rape movie. Like, nothing else can happen. Oh, yeah. Well, every week, Greg of the Dead does his, uh, what what were we calling it? It's a kill count. I count the dead. Yeah, Greg, Greg of the Dead counts the dead. I do my rating system, but I don't like to do stars because fuck Siskel and Ebert. They did that kind of shit. And they dissed the Friday the 13th series, so burn in hell. And horror in general. Like every other critic, for some reason, they seem to hate it. Yeah, they like fuck. They like shit on Basket Case and whatnot, which I love Basket Case. That's such a great movie. I like to do something from the movie out of 10. So like one through 10. I'm trying to think of what I can do from this movie. Oh, chins. Chins? Chins, of course. Not like police badges or something on no, chins. This is the chin movie. <laughs> I will say, a lot of times I'm thinking in my head what you're going to guess, and I'm usually right because it's, you know, we pick the obvious thing. Yeah. This was, I was not. I, was See, I not thought right. chins was the obvious pick. I was thinking like the Billy Club's, like, Badges. No. I was not going chins. <laughs> no, that's all forgettable. It's this is the battle of the chins. Come on, man. <laughs> that's my favorite one you've done yet. All right, so one chin. <laughs> this is like Hank Hill's chin. It's non-existent. There's nothing there. It just goes. It's, it's like, like negative. It goes from mouth to neck, and there's nothing there. Ten chins is. Bruce Campbell's chin, where it's okay. glorious, it's attached to an amazing actor, It's it glistens in the sunlight, like you would almost want to kiss it. 
Okay. I would probably give this movie six chins out of ten. You want six? I would go six. Okay. Brett, rare occasion. Yeah. Six chins. Oh, wow. We completely agree on this movie. Yep. I'm sending you a Snapchat right now so you don't think I'm full shit. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many times either I rate it way high or I rate it way low than it should be, and Greg's the opposite way. Yeah. So, you know, that, then that's perfect because we both 100% agree for once. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, it's above passing. It's lacking in some areas, but still very fun time. So, yeah, six gins. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth checking out, I would say. Oh, yeah. That's Maniac Cop. I don't know, like, what's your plan, Brett? Okay. Because we like to just fuck around and have fun at the end. Like, last time I posed the moral question with Carrie, this time I'm going to pose this to you. Okay. If you. I'll go with your old job from way back in the day. There is a beer distributor killer. Okay. The maniac beer distributor. Right. So for those who don't know, Brett from Dimension Z used to work at a beer distributor when he's talking about working with the public. That's usually what he's referencing. Yes. And you have been framed as the maniac beer killer. Okay. Do you think you have what it takes to find the real maniac beer killer and clear your name? No, because I work at a beer distributor and I drink way too much. So I'm just going to kind of chill at the beer distributor and drink and think about being like, I need to go get them. And then they're just going to catch me at the beer distributor drinking old German. I like the picture like they're always like killed with like a beer bottle and everything like a smash like beer bottle. Like that's the M.O. They have a keg rigged up on like a number of pulleys where like it releases and crushes the person's head. We're getting too complicated. We're getting like Saw territory. Oh, speaking of, there's like a new Saw movie out on Friday that I didn't know about till like the other day. See, I'm not, uh, I was it Spiral? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where I've never been a real big fan of the Saw franchise, so I was I like, like eh. I was going to ask if you wanted to go check, catch it. I'm guessing that's a no then. No, because I haven't seen like, the. I've seen like Saw 1, 2, and 3. Oh, fair enough. I haven't seen any of the other ones, so I'll be like, where's Jigsaw? Where, what's that <laughs> puppet? Is this a puppet master? Where am I? And I turned into old man. I won't say for sure, just in case it doesn't happen, but there's a very good chance we have a special guest on for next week. Yeah, well, he was talking about it on the uh, Audio Anxiety radio show. Okay, well then, I guess since he already committed to it, he better come on. Uh, we got Rob on. Those who don't know, Rob did appear on this podcast one of the few episodes I wasn't on. Oddly, for Dawn of the Dead. So next week, he'll be joining us for a movie. I'm very excited to cover Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this one, especially having Razor Raw back, you know. Yeah, like it was. I, I just rewatched it the other day, uh, Shaun of the Dead. And, you know, it was one of those ones I'm like, I've seen so many times. I'm like, I feel like I could do this without even watching it, but I like to keep it fresh anyway. And we tried that with Jason X, and we forgot details halfway through. Yeah, it didn't work right. <laughs> yeah, but. I'm like, you know what? This movie still holds up insanely well. Oh, I completely agree. Like, there's so many funny parts, and it's one of those movies, like, where each scene, there's something going on that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, if you guys tune in next week, if you want to watch ahead, that Shaun of the Dead, it, I believe, is streaming on HBO Max. Okay, cool. I, I'm not I, positive. Do not quote me on that. I also think this might be our first three-way on Throbbing with Horror. It is the first time we had three of us on, which 
me as the editing guy absolutely despises, but they're fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's just going to be all of us talking over each other. Yeah, we've done a few three people ones on Geek Positive, and it's a nightmare, but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so if you guys check us out next week, do that. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review and send us a screenshot, I will send you some free stuff in the mail, like a vinyl decal or some stickers or cool stuff like that. So all you do is get a hold of Brett on the social medias. Brett, what are the social medias? Um, It's Twitter at Throbbing Horror, Instagram at Throbbing with Horror. Um, we're also on TikTok at Throbbing with Horror as well. Yeah, so if you send proof that you guys left that review and a mailing address, that part's important, Brett will send that to me, and I'll get some cool stuff out to you in the mail. Just thank you for doing that. Yes, thank you, Greg. And I think that covers all of our bases. We did our kill count. We did our ratings. We did our what's next week. Yeah. Um, If you have a quick, do you have like 10, 15 more minutes? I suppose I do. Okay. Weeks ago, I wanted to talk about that Ed Gein documentary. Okay. Have you ever, have you seen it? No. Okay. So I keep getting snookered into signing up for these like premium, like subscription services, like Paramount plus and like discovery plus and whatnot, because they're like, Oh, we have a brand new serial killer documentary out now. Yes. I saw that discovery plus has a brand new Ed Gein documentary out. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Ed Gein. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, I'm into this. Like, 100%, I signed up, sight unseen, I'm like, I'm in. It turns out that it's a fucking paranormal show built around a semi-Ed Gein documentary. Like, they go on, like, the land. Wait, wait, please tell me they're trying to contact Ed Gein's ghost. They do several times during the show, Greg. Wink, wink. Oh, my God. This is worse than the Sasquatch documentary on Hulu where they frame Sasquatch for murders. Yes, because like there's a certain camera that they use. They're like, this will show the ghost outline. And here's a knife that Ed Gein used. Wink, wink. We're going to put it on this table. And it looks like Ed Gein is doing the crab walk around the knife. No fucking people. Crab people. No fucking way. Yeah, oh, it's so shitty. And they're like, oh my god, uh, I don't know anything about Ed Gein at all, but did he have mother issues? And everyone's like, oh my god, he did. And it's, I'm just sitting here being like, fuck you. <laughs> I was so you, mad. You got bamboozled. <laughs> 100%. And it's an hour and a half long quote-unquote documentary. I even did you watch like, all of it? Did you I, watch all of it? I had to. <laughs> because I'm like, fuck you. If I'm going to be mad at you, I'm going to watch the entire thing and be completely mad at you. It was cool. Like, they went on the land that Ed Gein's house was on. They, like, went into a Bernice Warden's hardware store where she was killed, which was cool to see it now. And they, they did, like, Plainfield, Wisconsin now. That footage was cool. But anything to do with people talking was just so shit. That, that's incredible. I can't believe that you got bamboozled into this. <laughs> oh, yeah, which I was so mad. And then I went over to uh, my parents' house the next day. Didn't mention it at all. 
about an hour after being there, mom was like, have you seen that Ed Gein documentary on Paramount Plus or whatever, Discovery Plus? And I'm like, holy fucking shit, yes! And I just went on almost the exact same tirade. I just went on. And she was like, I completely agree with you. It was such shit. She's like, I watched like 10 minutes of it. And I'm like, no, I'll watch the whole thing. That's incredible. I I almost want to watch it now, but no. It's worth watching just because it's so shitty. Oh, but I just had to get that out on a podcast because I keep forgetting to talk about it. But my rage has stayed for like a couple weeks now about this. Well, yeah, it's I don't know what's up with these shows trying to break the mold now. Like we can't just do a Bigfoot documentary. We're going to frame him for murder. We can't just do an Ed Gein documentary. We're going to contact his ghost. No. And yeah, his ghost is going to crab walk around a knife like. By the way, how did they get a knife that Ed Gein used? Suppose, okay, here we go. Supposedly, this guy bought this knife in a, an estate sale, and they claimed it was Ed Gein's knife. After this, his wife died, his like children died, his mother died, he lost his like land. Like every bad thing that could happen to a person happened to this guy. And all he says is like, yeah, I keep the knife out in the shed now. I don't want it in the house. I'm not buying it. No, not at all. I'm like, this is not fucking Ed Gein's flaying knife that he like skinned people with. No, some crackhead at a flea market is like, yeah, Ed Gein's knife. Well, it's exactly. Have you ever seen Mr. Pickles on on, uh, fucking uh, Adult Swim? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, Linda that will show up at the door and be like, I got this shaking baby for two dollars. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. It's like, I got this Ed Gein knife. He's flayed people with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what he got suckered into. He got suckered yeah. into buying the knife, and you got suckered into watching the documentary. <laughs> 100%. What I did keep the, uh, I did keep Discovery Plus because there's a uh, Crikey, it's the Irwins is on there now, which that's, that's cool. just super wholesome and not like in with the show whatsoever like in the theme but that's no we need that stuff once in a while to balance everything out though you need to where it's it's like oh we're a family and we love each other and we love animals i'm like oh that's nice yeah you need that love the like my 600 pound life and like intervention shows on there oh yeah as i we've been addicted to watching hoarders lately yeah but i just had to get that out on a podcast i know we were just about to wrap it up and i just remembered (laughs) Oh, it's good. I'm not running the end rap again. Um, we left your brain slobbing with horror. Bye.